When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, if you like this podcast, go behind the paywall to get privileged access to the smartest minds in finance. Join the Real Vision community and learn how to become a better investor. Visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code podcast10 to get 10% off our central membership for the first year. And now to today's episode. The signals are telling me to watch the US debt ceiling. The US debt ceiling will be breached this week and it will have ramifications across asset classes, not least for equities in a rather counterintuitive way. So Steno Signals starts right now. Welcome to the third edition of Steno Signals. My name is Andreas Steno, and I'm pleased by the feedback that we've received after the first couple of episodes of uh, this new show. Please leave your feedback or comments in the comments section, and uh, I'll make sure to answer uh, every single question. Um, it's been a pleasure to host these first couple of sessions, and um, it's an honor to, um, to continue the show on Real Vision. The last two weeks, we talked about disinflation, so falling inflation pressures in the US and the Chinese reopening. The disinflation trends continue in the US economy. This week, we received new signals from the manufacturing sector that the slowdown is evident and that there is an expected decline in the price of goods uh, over the coming three to six months. So goods inflation is now disappearing fast. Uh, the question is now service inflation, but my best guess is that service inflation will drop with a time lag to goods inflation. At the same time, we have China reopening and the trend seems intact as well. If we look at market price action, um, it seems as if commodities uh, celebrate this Chinese reopening still, and it seems like any asset with a link to China is um, celebrating this Chinese reopening as well. And um, if we pair these two themes, uh, it seems kind of kind, counterintuitive that we can have a Chinese reopening without inflation pressures. Uh, but my best guess as of now is that the Chinese reopening is a local demand boost in China, positive com for commodities, but a global supply boost due to easing supply chains and a, an increase in activity in manufacturing in China. So overall, we can actually have disinflation in the West alongside this Chinese reopening. So I stick to the view that I've presented in the first and second edition of this show. We will have clear disinflation in the US and the Chinese reopening is still a decent bet on a three to four month horizon. But this week we're going to talk about the debt ceiling um, and it sounds like we are stuck on repeat. It is a theme that we talk about almost annually uh, as a consequence of the debt ceiling rule in the US. And uh, this week, uh, the US Treasury actually breached 
the U.S. debt ceiling of 31.4 trillion, which means that the U.S. Treasury will have to take extraordinary measures to keep the administration afloat over the coming quarters in the U.S. So is this a thing for financial markets? I actually think it is due to the ramifications for dollar liquidity when the U.S. debt ceiling is hit. The reason why the U.S. debt ceiling matters for dollar liquidity is that the U.S. Treasury is not allowed to hold a lot of cash idle at the Federal Reserve when the debt ceiling deadline looms. And you can see that when you watch the development in the so-called Treasury General account, uh, which is the Treasury account at the Federal Reserve. They currently hold uh, just below 400 billion worth of dollar cash at the Federal Reserve. They're not allowed to hold that amount of dollar cash when the debt ceiling is hit. So they simply need to spend that cash idle uh, before they take other measures. What they promise is that they will bring this general account down to the level it had when the latest debt ceiling legislation was signed. Joe Biden signed the latest increase to the debt ceiling in the uh, very latter part of 2021, so in December 2021. And at the time, the um, Treasury General account had a uh, an overall level below 100 billion. So it basically means that the US Treasury will have to bring down this cash buffer from levels just south of 400 billion to levels around 85 billion over the course of the next two to three months. That is interesting because you and I and commercial banks are on the receiving end of this dollar liquidity when the US Treasury draws down on its account at the Federal Reserve. So either commercial banks hold the liquidity or else the Federal Reserve holds the liquidity. And when the US Treasury spends the dollars at the Federal Reserve, they end up in private banks. And private banks tend to take extra risk when they receive extra dollar liquidity. It is a buffer for private banks when they receive more dollar liquidity. And on the margin, they can take extra risk in financial markets when they receive this cash buffer. So it matters for financial markets when the US Treasury empties this Treasury general account. But there is a caveat, and that is the so-called reverse repo facility at the Federal Reserve. The reverse repo facility was introduced during the pandemic to ensure that money managers uh, and other counterparts of the Fed had a facility to park excess dollar liquidity on when there was a lack of investable instruments for them. Uh, the average um, money market fund tends to invest in short-term bills. So when the US Treasury is no longer allowed to issue new debt, we should expect these uh, money market uh, funds to park a little bit more dollar liquidity at this reverse repo facility. So what they do is that they park liquidity at the Fed and they receive collateral um, in the form of, for example, a T-bill 
in return in this reverse repo. So when the debt ceiling is hit and the US Treasury no longer net issues new debt, we should expect um, a slight increase to this reverse repo facility as a consequence of it. And when this facility increases in size, it actually means that dollar liquidity is withdrawn from the commercial banking system. So it is a move in the opposite direction, liquidity-wise, relative to this drawdown in the Treasury general account. Net-net, we will still have a liquidity increase of, say, in between 250 and 300 billion over the course of February and March. And that is something to be aware of as an equity investor. And why is that? Well, if we look at the correlation between dollar liquidity, so the amount of dollars available to the commercial banking system and the developments in the S&P 500, we have a very, very strong and neat correlation since 2020, but also prior to that. So if we are to see an increase of 200 to 300 billion worth of dollar liquidity to commercial banks, then we should expect the S&P 500 to trade around 4,000 and maybe even slightly above the 4,000 level as a consequence of it, since it increases risk taking on the margin uh, as a consequence of a lack of bonds issuance, but also as a consequence of a larger cash buffer at these commercial banks. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. If we look at equity sectors, relative to this dollar liquidity addition. I've made a heat map on the sensitivity of various equity sectors relative to this uh, liquidity increase that we are likely to see in February and March. And um, it's not really a surprise that uh, some of the riskiest and sectors in equity space uh, tend to gain the most from such a liquidity increase. And here I'm talking about tech, I'm talking about consumer discretionary, rather Tesla, um, to be concrete, and uh, some of these high-risk stocks. They tend to perform when we see a dollar liquidity addition to the market. Uh, that was exactly the case throughout 21 as well, when we had a large QE program running. Uh, liquidity additions um, equals a strong risk sentiment and performance in high-sensitive sectors such as tech and consumer discretionary. And uh, oh boy, consumer discretionary um, is performing so far this year, probably as a consequence of this wave of dollar liquidity being added to markets uh, throughout the first quarter of the year. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, we have energy. Um, the reason is probably that energy has not performed particularly well over the past 10 years. Uh, so every time a liquidity boost um, has been given to markets. Um, it's not really something that we've seen in the energy sector, uh, but for now, it seems like the energy sector is doing better due to the lack of supply in uh, oil, in natural gas, etc. cetera. Uh, so I'm not sure that this conclusion from recent history necessarily holds fully this time around, but one thing I'm pretty certain of is that 
equities will continue to perform decently well this quarter if I'm right that liquidity will be added as a consequence of the debt ceiling and the subsequent drawdown on the Treasury general account. If we look at the spillovers to the commodity space, um, we have the exact same chart on dollar liquidity. So the amount of assets held by the Federal Reserve minus the amount of cash that the U.S. Treasury holds at the Fed minus the reverse repo facility. So the amount of cash that money managers and other counterparts hold at the Fed. Um, when this dollar liquidity proxy increases, it's typically good news for commodities since it is a boost to demand. It's a boost to risk taking. And I think we see the signs of that right now in markets as well. Industrial metals perform as I hinted um, in the Chinese reopening theme last week and on this show. Um, energy is also starting to play catch up a little bit to the move that we've seen in, for example, copper. Uh, so I tend to think that at least the industrial metal space um, remains extremely interesting as a consequence of the Chinese reopening and this liquidity in addition uh, from the US Treasury. Uh, but I wouldn't rule out performance in gold, for example, and in uh, energy as well as a consequence of this liquidity boost. So it goes a bit against my negative energy thesis from the first couple of shows this year. If we move to the interest rate space, I think the conclusion is straightforward from this debt ceiling debate. Um, First of all, it uh, means that there is a lack of issuance. That's typically positive for bonds since uh, the supply is not as uh, heavy uh, as it was, for example, last year and in 21. Uh, so that is a game changer on the supply front. Um, the US Treasury is simply not allowed to increase the amount of net debt uh, of the US administration over the course of the next few months here. Um, if we look at the correlation between dollar liquidity and, for example, uh, U.S. Treasury rates, we have uh, the clearest correlation between the two-year point and dollar liquidity. So it means that you should expect two-year rates to drop on this. Uh, the reason is that liquidity is more of a short-term than a long-term story, obviously. Likely, this debt ceiling debate will be solved eventually. Um, but it holds true for the entire yield curve when the debt ceiling hits, when there is a dollar liquidity on, uh, added on the back of it, you should expect interest rates should drop. So I also think this is a signal to keep adding to US Treasury positions if you are not already long those. It also carries spillovers to Europe and the UK. Um, so also interest rates in Europe and the UK uh, tend to drop when we see a dollar liquidity addition, while we have kind of the opposite uh, picture in Asia. Uh, so Japanese interest rates uh, have been on uh, the move uh, in the upside direction when there is a dollar liquidity addition. The same holds for China. So stay away for, uh, from local bonds in, uh, in Asia for the time being, both due to the Chinese reopening, due to Bank of Japan struggling with the yield curve control and due to the dollar liquidity addition. This is also a hint of what to expect in foreign exchange space, but I'll get back to that in a second, because first of all, um, we should expect spillovers to credit bonds as well. Uh, so corporate bonds will likely perform alongside equities, if I'm right on this dollar liquidity addition over the course of February and March. 
Um, it goes against the recession narrative. Uh, it goes against the positioning of many professional investors into the year. Uh, but I feel decently upbeat on Q1 um, in contrast to the overall sentiment entering this year. Um, I thankfully said also on the first version of this program, have a long equity tilt as a consequence of disinflation and the Chinese reopening. Uh, but now this dollar liquidity addition adds to that sentiment in my view. We need to have a bit of equity exposure as a consequence of the dollar liquidity addition from the US Treasury. Um, and it spills over to credit space as well, even though credit um, is not a long-term buy in my view, um, at least not if we look at the second half of this year, but we will get back to that at a later stage. Finally, let's talk about the ramifications for uh, the foreign exchange market. When we look at correlations over the past five years, uh, the evidence is overwhelming in my view. A liquidity addition in US dollars is negative for the dollar spot exchange rate versus peers. Um, we've already seen the first signs of that. The Japanese yen has been strong in recent weeks. The euro has been strong versus the US dollar in recent weeks. But I would suspect that that trend continues into February and March as a consequence of this dollar liquidity additions. When there are more dollars around, the price of the existing dollars um, has to reflect it. Uh, so that's sim simple math. Um, if supply increases, it means that the price needs to uh, decrease of the existing stock. Uh, and therefore, I remain a dollar bear. Uh, I also think it goes hand in hand with this Chinese reopening theme. A Chinese reopening is more positive for Germany than it is for the US. It is more positive for Japan than it is for US. And therefore, the dollar is uh, in a weakening trend uh, likely throughout this quarter as a consequence of it. So to sum up, the US Treasury will hit the debt ceiling this week, which means that they are not allowed to add to the amount of debt outstanding from the US administration. A lack of supply of bonds means that interest rates will likely go down. At least there is a decent risk reward in betting on bonds right now due to this lack of supply. And the spillovers to equities and credits are positive. But in the FX space, it is typically a negative for the US dollar, while a weak US dollar is typically also a positive hint for commodities, not least industrial metals, but also energy commodities and precious metals. This was the third edition of Steno Signals. Thank you once again for watching the show. Um, the feedback has been overwhelming. Uh, and uh, remember that we sent this show each and every week with the latest macro trends and uh, my thinking on how to trade them. But remember that this is not financial advice. Uh, I cannot guarantee that your investment horizon or your risk appetite aligns with mine. Uh, so think of this as a window into my methodology and how I assess running macro trends. Um, and I can assure you that we will be back again next week with the latest in global macro and how I view it from a trading perspective. My name is Andreas Steno. Thank you again for watching the Steno Signals. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. 
Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.